There's a verse in the Bible, in the New Testament, that says this. There's no temptation that has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, and He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to endure, but will, with the temptation, provide a way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. And so, uh, this verse basically says, in a nutshell, that temptation is common to all of us as human beings. All of us are tempted to do the wrong. Uh, even Jesus himself, it tells us, was tempted by the devil in the desert at the beginning of his ministry, and he faced temptations throughout his life. But the difference with Jesus and us is Jesus never gave in to temptation. He never yielded to sin. So I think everybody watching and listening today to this message, I think all of you have said things and done things that you regret, if you're like me. Uh, and maybe there's some things that you've said or done that you're really embarrassed about, um, and some things that uh, you feel even to this day guilty about and, and perhaps uh, deeply ashamed about. Um, maybe some of you today have gone even further to the point where you're living a lie, um, you're, you, you constantly go about uh, uh, projecting a public persona, you're wearing a mask, but nobody really knows the real you and what's going on behind closed doors when nobody is looking. So, and it might be that today you're battling a particular temptation in your life. Uh, maybe there's something you're facing right now and you're feeling the allure of something evil, something that you know to be wrong. Um, you know the right thing to do, but you're not sure that you've got the moral courage to do the right thing. So I know how easy, easy it is in my own life uh, to turn down the wrong path. And I, I do know from bad choices I've made how one bad choice can irrevocably alter the trajectory of my life and take me down a path of darkness and destruction. And so I face choices every day, just like you do, uh, between doing what is right and doing what is wrong. And so for me, it is a constant battle uh, for all of us, if we're honest, to choose life. The only reason I've been able to hold on to my integrity is because I spend time with God every day, and it's because of His grace. Uh, and that grace is available to you as well. Um, last Sunday, we learned two things uh, about, uh, from a story about King David, uh, who was the king of Israel in the Old Testament. He was the same David who slew the giant Goliath. And we learned that, that David, being a man of God, a man after God's own heart, that David was not immune to temptation. None of us, it doesn't matter how holy you are, how good you think you are, how honorable uh, all of us um, could be tempted to do evil. Uh, and if we give in to temptation, um, it's just a short distance uh, to sin. And then once we commit a sin, it, becomes, it can very easily become a slippery slope. And we saw that in the life of King David. Uh, David, while he was king and he was a very powerful man, uh, very successful and prosperous, uh, he... Uh, committed adultery with another man's wife. Uh, she was the wife, her name was Bathsheba, and she was the light wife of Uriah, who was one of the soldiers, uh, just a humble soldier in his army. And David uh, got this woman pregnant, and then he wanted to cover it up. 
uh, and he was unsuccessful in doing that. And so eventually he resorted to putting Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, on the front lines of the battle where he was sure to be killed. Well, that was kind of like murder. Um, and so after Uriah dies in battle, uh, Bathsheba uh, mourns for her husband, and then David takes her to be his wife. Uh, and it might have appeared, if you read to the end of 2 Samuel chapter 11, that's where we find that story, it might have appeared that David got away with it, but he didn't. The last verse of that chapter, 2 Samuel 11, verse 27, says, the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. And so when we sin, our tendency is to do what David did, and that is to hide, to enshroud everything in secrecy. Um, and that's the original sin of Adam and Eve. It tells us that when they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God said they should not do, um, they uh, became afraid, and they were ashamed, and that they hid themselves from God. They ran from God. And isn't that what we do when we fall into, into sin? And so the fear of getting caught can often take us down uh, the road towards hypocrisy, where we have to kind of keep up appearances, and we begin to live a lie. And that's exactly what happened to David, but God knew. Uh, and in trying to hide his sin, David began to spin a, this web of lies and, and deceit, uh, and then he got caught up in that web. David's sin would eventually catch up to him in a very, very painful way. And David was about to learn a very hard lesson, and that is that you cannot outrun your sin. With a single bad choice in his life, David would trigger a series of events that would quickly spiral out of control, kind of like the domino effect. You know, if you've got a row of dominoes standing up and you hit the first one and it falls on the next one and you get what we know as the domino effect. And so after about nine months, uh, uh, after uh, Bathsheba uh, had become pregnant, nine months later, it tells us that Nathan the prophet, the baby was about to be born, and Nathan the prophet comes to David. And he tells David a story. And he says, you know, David, I want to tell you a story. There's a, there's a rich man who owned all kinds of sheep and, and cattle. He had everything. And then there was a poor man who lived in the same town. And this man had only one little lamb. That's all he had. And he, he treated this lamb like a, like a family pet. Uh, th this, this lamb would, would eat uh, at his table, would drink from his cup, and would sometimes sleep in his arms. And so one day a traveler came to the rich man, looking for lodging and food. And so the rich man, instead of taking one of his cattle and sheep, he went and took the one little lamb that belonged to the poor man, slaughtered it, and fed the traveler. When David heard that story, the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 5, David burned with anger against the man. And isn't it sad how outraged and indignant we can become over the failings and over the sins of other people, but fail to see the darkness in our own souls. How easy it is to see the sins of others. How difficult to see our own. And so when we're looking for faults, somebody once said, if you're looking for faults, don't look out 
the window at the faults of others. Instead, look in the mirror. You look in the mirror to see your own faults. That's where it begins. And that's what David was refusing to do at that point in his life. And so David pronounces harsh judgment on this man in the story. And he says this, and this is in verses 5 and 6. He said, the man who did this must die, and he must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity, had no mercy. Then Nathan jars David with these words, and he says, David, you are the man. David's words turned out to be prophetic. He fell into this well-laid trap of Nathan the prophet. His sin was now exposed, and he unwittingly pronounced judgment upon himself. His sin had finally caught up with him. And it reminds me of a verse in the New Testament in the Bible, Romans chapter 2, verse 1, and I think we all could do well to put this into practice and to memorize this, where it says this, you therefore, and he's saying, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you condemn yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Instead of looking out the window at others, look in the mirror at yourself. Clean up your own backyard. And then the words of Jesus found in the Sermon on the Mount, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, at the very beginning, where Jesus said, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You see, by his own words, David brought condemnation upon himself. By his, out of his own mouth, he pronounced his own sentence. And the truth is, if we try to cover up our sins with secrecy and deception, Eventually, the truth comes out. Our sins catch up with us. Judgment will come either in this life or in the life to come. And wouldn't it be better right now, if you're facing something in your life right now, like this, and you've fallen into sin, wouldn't it be better to come clean right now? Wouldn't it be better to humble yourself before God and confess rather than living a lie? And instead of living in fear and uh, the fear of getting caught and, and, and living with guilt and shame, doesn't it make more sense to tell God what you've done, receive his forgiveness, and bear the consequences, whatever they might be, and then get on with your life? So here's what I want to stress. Even if you figure out a way to keep it all under wraps, uh, and nobody else on earth knows about your secret sin, God knows. God sees what is done in secret. And one day, you and I will stand before God at the judgment, and we will have to give an account for the things that we have said and done and for the choices that we have made. Unless your sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for those sins, those sins, unless you confess and receive the forgiveness that comes through his shed blood on the cross, 
uh, those sins will one day follow you to the judgment seat of Christ. You can't outrun your sin. It will catch up with you one day. And so, after Nathan exposes David's sin and says, David, you are the man, David immediately says to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. David has a moment of clarity, and finally, after months of denial and secrecy, and I'm sure he was living in shame and guilt over it, uh, it, finally he realizes that he's been found out. There's nowhere else to hide, and David comes clean. He confesses his sin. And people will say of other people who get caught and confess, they say, well, you know what? Their confession wasn't sincere. They waited until they got caught. Well, you know what? Again, let's not be so quick to judge because King David, and the Bible speaks well of King David, except for this indiscretion in his life. David did wait till he got caught. And we're not that much different, are we? Are you? Uh, David, I believe his confession was sincere. And I just invite you sometime to take Psalm 51 and read it through for yourself as your own confession. It's beautiful, a Psalm of David. After he wrote this, after Nathan rebuked him for his adulterous affair with Bathsheba. Um, and so this is what Nathan says when David finally confesses and says, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan says, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. Nathan said Bathsheba's baby would die. Yes, David was forgiven, but there would be consequences. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so Nathan proclaims that David won't die as a consequence, but that even his sincere confession, and even though he received the forgiveness of God, the consequences would still follow. And there were two consequences that followed David's sin. The first was, Nathan the prophet said, there would be violence and treachery in David's own household. In verse 10 it says, Now therefore, the sword will never depart from your house, your family. Um, and the second consequence was that David's child born to Bathsheba would die. And that exactly is what happened. And so, the problem with sin, it's, it's like a it's like a, a, a fishing pole, you know, with the hook on it, and you put the, the, the bait or the worm on the end of the hook. Um, sin is like that. The bait looks attractive, but there's a hook buried within it. Um, once you go for the bait and you get uh, snared by the hook, there's no escaping the consequences. David was about to learn a lesson that he would never forget. We reap what we sow. David had sown the seeds of uh, treachery and deceit, and now he was going to reap from his own evil harvest, even though he was forgiven. And from that point on in David's life, David's life takes on the shape of a, kind of like a modern-day soap opera. First, their, their newborn baby dies, uh, and in the months and years to follow, David's own sons begin to destroy each other. 
One of them even rebels against David himself, his son Absalom. He organizes a military coup against his father, usurps his throne, forcing David to flee for his life as a fugitive. Ultimately, David does regain his throne, but not until he loses four of his five sons in tragic and violent deaths. Yes, there's consequences when we fall into temptation and sin and then try to cover it up. I love what it says in Proverbs chapter 6, beginning at verse 27, a very sobering uh, three verses of the Bible. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. A moment's indiscretion yields a lifetime of consequences. And as someone once said, the final pain will soon erase the temporary pleasure. That's true. So when people sin, you know, most of us don't anticipate the web of problems that we're going to create. But be sure of this, the consequences will follow. You can't outrun your sin, and the wages of sin is death. So here's what we need to know and do today. First of all, when we wander from God's path, when we make a morally bad choice, and if you've done that, there is a way back for you, and you can find forgiveness, you can find redemption, you really can. But wouldn't it be better if you could avoid making that choice in the first place? Wouldn't it be better to stay on the path of life that God has set before you and don't look to the right or to the left, don't wander from the path? Here's what I want you to do today. First of all, resist the temptation that you're facing right now in your life. Uh, something has been placed before you, and you're being drawn to it to do what you know is wrong. Choose life. Talk to somebody who can counsel you, who can help you through this. Don't try to do this on your own. Uh, if you have given into temptation, if you've sinned, confess it immediately. Don't delay. Take responsibility for it. Secrecy is the way of death. Uh, bring your sin into the light and where it can be exposed with someone you can talk to. Uh, even if you've hidden your sin already and have been living in denial, living a lie, it's still not too late to turn back. Do it now. Um, and once you've done that, once you've confessed it, then accept God's forgiveness and know that He will cleanse you and make you pure in His sight. He will never hold it against you again. You don't have to go on living with guilt and shame. And then once you've accepted God's forgiveness, yes, you have to also accept whatever consequences might follow. If you've committed a crime and you're watching this today, you've committed a crime and you know that you could be facing prison time, that's a consequence. You can come clean on it. Confess it. Repent of it. But then you could turn yourself over to the authorities and bear the consequences. That's what a person of honor will do, and then God will help you. So I began the message, the first of this two-part message last Sunday. Uh, my wife um, uh, told a story when she was 18 and how she made a, she was 18 years of age, and she made a choice, a good choice in this case, 
uh, where she believed, and she believes to this day, that it saved her from going down the wrong path, a dark path, uh, and possibly spared her of a life of misery and heartache. That's the grace of God. I also told you in my message last week about my friend who uh, lives in Alberta with his family, wife, and two children at that time, um, and uh, how he was tempted to have an affair with a woman at work. Um, and he was attracted to her. She was attracted to him. After talking with me, he made three very smart choices. Number one, he went home and he told his wife. There was confession and accountability. Number two, he confronted the woman at his place of work and he put an end to this flirtatious relationship. And the third thing he did that was really smart is he quit his job in order to avoid the source of temptation. He found another one soon after. And that's the question I want to ask you. How far are you willing to go to walk in obedience to God and experience his blessing to choose life? Colleen and I had lunch with this couple, I think a couple of years ago, here in Calgary, and from what we could tell, he and his wife and their family are doing very, very well. Whatever you're going through right now, the Lord will help you if you'll just humble yourself before him and do the right thing. Uh, talk to someone about it. If you haven't already committed the sin that you're thinking about, it's not too late. If you've already fallen into temptation, you still can confess it. Remember, secrecy is the enemy. Confession brings healing. Remember, it's not about looking out the window at the sins and faults of others. Take a look in the mirror into your own soul. And whatever sins are exposed, confess those and move on with your life and experience God's blessing. God already knows all about it. He just wants you to acknowledge it. He knows what is being done in secret, whether good or bad. Through the cross, where Jesus Christ died and shed his blood, God is willing to climb onto our deepest pain, our deepest place of shame, and bear it himself. That's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But that grace that God is offering you has to be received. You need to receive it. Reach out for it. God is reaching down to you right now with this offer of grace, forgiveness, and transformation. Will you reach out and take it? It's not too late to get on the road to recovery. Would you pray with me? Father, I want to thank you for this account of David who was a man of God, a man after God's own heart, and yet he stumbled and fell. And he tried to cover up his sin. I thank you, Lord, that you have the power to deliver us from temptation and to keep us from sin if we will just receive your grace. But also, Lord, I thank you that even if we do sin, that you offer forgiveness no matter who we are, what we've done, no matter how far we've fallen, and you can restore us. You're willing to restore us and cleanse us. 
If you're a believer today, if you're a Christian, you consider yourself a Christian, maybe you're standing at the crossroads between choosing what is right and choosing to go the way that is wrong. If you've already gone down the wrong path, uh, it's still not too late. But if you're standing at that crossroads, would you make the right choice right now? Would you say, Lord, help me in this time of temptation? Help me, Lord, to think about the consequences if I go down the wrong path. I receive your grace right now to choose life. If you've said that prayer, I would also advise you to talk to someone about it who can counsel you through this. If you're not a Christian at this point in your life or you're not sure, then I just want to invite you to acknowledge uh, your sin in your life. All of us have sinned. And if there's particular sins that come to mind, um, acknowledge that right now. Uh, and acknowledge that you need God, that you can't live uh, the way God wants you to live, the way he intended, without his help, without his grace. Repent of the way you've been living your life without God and turn back to him. Turn to Jesus Christ and say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. I thank you, Lord, that because of your sacrificial death, I can confess my sin, and I do confess it now. And I turn away from it, and I receive your forgiveness. Cleanse me and purify me in your sight. And so, I just want to invite you now in closing. If you are facing a temptation, choose life. Talk to someone who can help you. If you've sinned, confess it. Accept God's forgiveness, but then also accept the consequences. Father, I pray for those who said those prayers today, and I ask that you would give them grace and that they would receive your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a story in the New Testament about a despised tax collector. And uh, he was a really bad guy, ripped off a lot of people. And at one point, uh, he realizes all that he has done, and he uh, feels sorry for his sins. And he drops to his knees, and he didn't even want to look up to heaven. And all he could say was a simple prayer. God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. That's all the prayer you need to say. In closing the service today, Ryan and Steph Sia are going to uh, lead us in a song called Lord, Have Mercy. And I pray that it will minister to you and bring you comfort.